Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning in the Gospel, we see our Lord again moved with compassion for the multitudes. And this time, He does not heal, but He feeds. As with many of the Gospel pericopes, it is always good to be able to step back for a second. Uh, sometimes, especially if you're reading in the lectionary cycle, to be able to say, okay, what's the context here? Because many times the pericope goes something like, and then Jesus went out, or then as this ends, immediately Jesus made his disciples, and we're missing transitions, we're missing the context. Well, so let's put a verse that we missed at the very beginning. When Jesus heard it, He departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So we've gotten one more verse, and you're probably wondering, what did Jesus hear? Because otherwise, we get this pericope, and it seems like Jesus comes out of a house, and he sees a great multitude, and he says, moved with compassion. What did Jesus hear? that had him flee to the wilderness. Does anyone know the context of this pericope? That's okay, I didn't either. I had to study a little bit before I came up here, right? Our Lord heard about the murder of his cousin, John. As it tells us, his disciples, after they had buried his body went and told Jesus about this horrific news. And our Lord, upon hearing the murder of his cousin, that is when he departs by boat and goes off to be by himself. Our Lord's reaction to, again, as we have throughout the Gospel of Matthew, We have him asleep as the storms go about. We have him in the face of demons just saying one word. We have him here upon hearing the death of his relative, his forerunner, his preparer, his, I should say, co-worker, his cousin. This is where Jesus takes a step back, and he goes off to be by himself. Our Lord retreats to a deserted place, and as is very clear to us, this was not just a little trip out. He had to get in a boat, and he had to seek out a deserted place. Not that he went to like a coffee shop to be by himself while everyone else is around him, or you know, to go off and be with family. No, Jesus goes off to be by himself. Now our Lord gives us this example throughout Scripture. Jesus retreats often in the Gospels. And what does our Lord retreat to do? When Jesus goes off to be by himself, what does he do? 
he prays. The text does not tell us here that he went out to pray, but we know from all of the other places in the scriptures, when Jesus goes off to be by himself, as he does during Holy Week in preparation for the sacrifice of the cross, well, he takes his apostles and then he goes a little bit further to be by himself. That there in that solitude, in that silence, in that des- desert, Jesus sought his Father. Because our Lord knew from the beginning what the path before him was. Our Lord knew that this would be the path for John as well. But did that mean that our Lord did not need, did not require in his very being, complete reliance on God the Father. In fact, I would say that is what it means for Jesus to be the Son, that he is completely dependent in love and adoration of the Father. Now, the story that we are given this morning, the pericope, has not put that there. It just has him emerging from this solitude, And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And then he's moved with compassion for them. Our Lord, in retreating into the desert, seeking God, is not uh, cloistered away. He has a specific time in which he cloisters himself away and reaches out to the Father. And then he goes out And his heart is prepared to be able to see all of those, as last week we saw, the shepherdless and the weary, whom he then has compassion on. Not only does he have compassion and his heart is overflowing with love, now he begins to heal. He spends the day healing, and when it comes to the evening, his disciples come to him. And what does his disciples say? This is a deserted place. Can you tell all of these people to go find some food? Because we don't have food. As you know, I'm sure at some point they, were, they got they were like, we need to huddle up. Jesus is doing his thing. We've got to figure out the practical aspect here. What are we going to do? Because time's a ticking. And they're like, okay, what do you got? I've got a loaf. <laughs> Somebody's got two loaves. Somebody has two fish. And they're like, we have five loaves and two fish. I'm sure the 12 of them are like, is that enough for the 12 of us? This has got to be big fish, uh, maybe, for 12. I'm assuming maybe like this. So maybe they all get a mouth or, you know, So they're probably thinking to themselves, we hardly have enough to feed ourselves. And now we're not in a village. We're not in a city. We're in a deserted place. We don't have things. Now, as we know from the Gospels with the disciples, they always seem to be a few beats behind, right? It's like, you're supposed to be doing this, and they're like, (laughs) right? They, They don't catch on they have not caught on yet they've seen miracle after miracle after miracle 
Do they not think in a dry and desert place that God will be able to do something? I love Jesus' response. They don't need to go away. You guys, feed them. You can just see the, the disciples. Okay, now we have to tell them we didn't come out here prepared. All we have are five loaves, two fishes. So see Jesus they need to go away because this is hardly enough for us. And what does Jesus say? Bring those five loaves and two fishes. He had everyone sit down and he takes the five loaves and the two fishes. And in continuation of that retreat and seeking after God, he looks up to heaven and he blesses and breaks and he distributes And that love overflowing from the Father through the Son and has been blessed by the Holy Spirit, there is more than enough. You can see with the disciples their sense of lack. We're in a deserted place. We don't have enough even for ourselves, much less to give out to, as it tells us, five thousand people it's just the guys and it is their sense of scarcity and lack this is where it comes from them to say Jesus tell them to go away they have retreated to that desert place just like our Lord they followed him there to that desert But you can tell in their minds, they're looking in their pockets. Do I have, how many loaves do I have? What fish do I have? Am I going to eat? What am I going to do? What are we going to do? We need to just tell them to go away. The fear that has their retreat look down to what they have and the lack of what they think that they don't have. Is this not often our own feelings that we have followed Jesus out and we find ourselves in a deserted place? There's nothing to eat. Or maybe we find ourselves in following Jesus that our wounds, our woes, the world around us has just overwhelmed us. And in this deserted place, all we see is desert. We don't find God. We just kind of look into our pockets and look to ourselves and say, I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. And then that fear settles in. There's not enough and there's lack. I'm not enough. I don't have enough. And it does the same things to our hearts as it did to the disciples. It does not open it up to God. It does not flow with love. But it it hardens. It gets cynical, practical, utilitarian. There's no compassion flowing from the disciples. They're not ready to just give up their food. They want to keep it close and tight. 
When we look to Jesus and we follow him into deserted places, or we find ourselves with Jesus in deserted places, we need to look to him and what he has modeled for us. That when we retreat, and there are times when we need to retreat, where we need to step back from the overflow of life. That we need to, as our Lord said earlier in the gospel, to enter into the closet, to shut the door, like Daniel does in the Old Testament when he has spies looking out for him, that they see him go and pray three times a day. That like our Lord He needed, God, took a step back in retreat from the busyness to be able to delve deeply into prayer. Real retreat from all of the things. Now, we have very much a culture that tells us to retreat, to treat ourselves, to self-care, But I don't know about you. This is like a message. This is a really strong message now. Has anyone else picked up on this? Self-care, 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 self-care. What typically happens with self-care? I don't know about you. My temptation always to self-care is not really unplug, but actually plug in a little bit deeper. Right? I'm going to find all sorts of distractions and things to keep myself distracted from the actual problem or the thing that is weighing me down. So it's not running away to the deserted place, but it's running right into food, doom scrolling, binge watching, That's what I mean by more plugging in. Not less unplugged, but more plugged in. That I have a tendency, and maybe you do as well, to just kind of zone out, to just kind of like deaden and numb, not actually retreat. Because self-care can be challenging. It can be something that we miss the actual point, especially as, as followers of Christ, because we can just land, we're shooting for the stars, or well, maybe we're not even shooting for the stars, maybe we're shooting for like getting out of the atmosphere or something, and we just end up just kind of cruising at an altitude of 20,000 feet instead of actually getting outside the gravitational pull. And then we wonder why we haven't actually fed ourselves here. When we look to the retreat of Jesus, When he goes and he prays and we can think about his time in the garden of this kind of focused prayer, this rooting independence upon God. We are always going to have distractions, our minds racing. We always want to talk about what is going on and it is good and right for us to have those that we trust that we talk with. But can always be a temptation, too, 
that instead of actually going to God in serious, deep prayer, that we go to others and we just talk. And usually the talk, I don't know about you, but this is a temptation for me, after a while the talk just turns to just negativity. This person, that person, this, that. Worrying. Turning to others. And again, I'm not saying that we don't, we need to have close friends. But instead of God, we turn to all of the distractions that can occupy us. We often know what our wounds are. And we often spend a whole lot of time nursing them. By nursing them, I don't mean nursing back to health, but like making sure that they're kind of healthy. Like revisiting them, reopening them, re-allowing them to dominate us. We nurse them instead of taking them before God and showing him and asking for his presence, his guidance. Instead, we nurse grudges and hurts and pain, and we just kind of feed. Deep, real, rooted prayer, where our hearts return to our first love, is what it would be like to retreat like Jesus and pray like Jesus. Because this is exactly the setting that Christ has, so that he, once he has retreated, once he has gone back and rooted himself in God the Father, that he can then come out and be moved with compassion for those who need him. To be able to have a heart like Christ moved to compassion for those. Can you imagine what Christ's life was like? We know paparazzi, rock stars, all this kind of stuff. But that's like a very different, that's like very glitzy and glamoury, I guess. It's not very appealing to me. But Christ was constantly being asked of his time, of his presence. And so he took retreat. He ran away. And then when he was ready and prepared, he then went out and was moved with compassion for those who needed him. Because Christ himself knew that he had to be rooted in God the Father. We, like the disciples, can be afraid, timid, think of scarcity instead of abundance with our five loaves and two fishes. That we are not enough. That we are spread too thin. That we, and even in our retreat, are just distracted. That all our mind can do is think about all the practical things. And again, these all have their place. Never is there a derogatory term for practical things. It is being able to take the practical, to lift it up to heaven, and to have faith in God. We often think that we have to work great works on our own. That we have to be perfect, completely fruitful, all together. That there's nothing wrong before we present ourselves to God. But that is not what the disciples have. They have five loaves, two fish. 
And for Jesus, he sees what they have and he says, that's enough. Bring it to me. When we are being pushed beyond our limits, we go to Christ. We retreat like Christ. We simplify. We actually unplug. We seek him in real prayer. The fathers of the church advocate throughout their writings for vigil. Vigil, yes, that means coming to church and attending vigil. But that means that might mean a night where you stay up and you pray through the night because there is something weighing heavily upon you. But that our Lord, like his reaction to the disciples, you take these five loaves and these two fish and whatever your insufficiencies, whatever the things that you think you don't have, you give them to Christ. He will take them, bless them, multiply them, and he will then be able to feed. All it really requires from us is not great oratory. It does not require being able to write checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It does not require all of it. It requires our heart and what might we might have, what little bits that we have that we offer them in faith to God. You, brothers and sisters, are the presence of God to the world. This is why after he has taken and blessed and broken this bread, he turns around and he gives it back to the disciples for them to then distribute. Whatever it is that we think we don't have when people ask of us, when people need from something from us, we give in faith. We are moved with compassion for them and being rooted in faith such that we can show them the kingdom. Because ultimately, brothers and sisters, you and I, we are like John the Baptist. We point, we witness, but you and I, and I know this might be a shocker, we're not God. Thank God. It is God himself who takes whatever little bits that we have in our desert, in our lack, in our sense of scarcity, and he says, there is more and I can bring and I give abundantly more. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.